You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 95. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. And boy, oh boy, has episode 95 been a bunch of trials <laughs> and certainly tribulations. So this is the fifth time that I've shot this episode. The first four were all about an entirely different topic. And upon reviewing each one of them, I would go and do more research and shoot it again. And it didn't sound good. It, it was just, it was, it, I'm not going to say unintelligible, but it was just very difficult for even me to follow. And so by the fourth time I did it last night, I was editing it at around 1.30 in the morning. And I was like, you know what? They just think I'm just, uh, just don't think this one's going to work. So I'll save that topic. I won't even tempt it. Uh, with you, but I will say that uh, I will figure it out. <laughs> I will figure it out. I'll say here was the problem, is that it was some NLP, and really in order to fully be able to get the full grasp of what it is I was talking about, you'd need to see like four modules in front of it, right? So when you look at how I would teach NLP to you, it there, there's steps like anything else. And when you hear one um, before you've heard the other four, then getting a concrete idea of how to use it becomes more difficult because there's terminology and there's um, systems that you would have already understood and and moved through and learned and and had a chance to really understand how they connect. So by the time I got to the one I was trying to teach last night, uh, no matter what I tried to do to briefly explain certain aspects of it, it just wasn't going to come out the way that I wanted it to. So anyways, moving through that, I decided that I was going to go do a topic that I've been sitting on for quite some time. And this one actually got sparked to me by uh, one of my loyal listeners named Marcus, who lives in New Jersey. Um, Recently, I have been searching for you, Marcus, if you are still listening to the show. And I've noticed that your Facebook page, uh, your profile is no longer active. And so I hope that everything is working out well in your life and that everything's going well. I'm not sure what happened over there, but I certainly was thinking of you and I'm wishing you the best with everything that was happening in your life and that this reaches you well and you know I'm thinking of you. And so this episode was asked of me by him many months ago and I've been sitting on it because there was so much research I did for it, and there was just this this desire to really nail this one for him and for every one of you. I think that this is going to come into uh, play for you at some point in your lives, and obviously I haven't named this episode yet, but I'm assuming Alone versus Loneliness will probably be the title, and so that's what we're going to discuss today, is the difference between Alone versus Loneliness, and then how you can begin to um, understand those in your own mind so that you can, uh, you know, head off at the past any kind of depression or sadness you might feel when you are alone or you're feeling lonely so that there's a c- clear delineation. Dili- um, there's a clear separation between what the two are because alone and loneliness are not the same thing. And you know from listening these last couple months that I've been doing back to basics 
and that we're talking about, you know, really getting back to what it's like at the beginning stages to really just to just reconnect with ourselves um, within our own sobriety and recovery journeys. And I think that for a lot of us, when we step into this new world of sobriety, we have to start to go back and think of who we've had in our lives, who we want to keep in our lives, and what will that ultimately do to change the course of our lives, right? If you had a bunch of drinking buddies or a bunch of family members that you drank with, and now all of a sudden you're no longer going to be codependent upon that relationship to fuel this desire to drink, to to fuel the action of drinking. And you have to start excommunicating, you know, politely showing the door to certain people in your inner circle because what they're doing no longer is aligned with what you're doing. The fear or worry or anxiety of being alone and feeling lonely can possibly become very overwhelming to the point where for a lot of us, this is probably what kept us in our addiction for so long was just the desire to to maintain our status quo social circle and not to feel alone, not to sit at home on a Friday or Saturday night when society tells us that only losers do that. What are you doing your laundry for on a Saturday night? You should be out partying and enjoying the weekend, man. Everybody's been working for the weekend. Let's drink ourselves into a bloody stupor and wake up feeling like ass the next day. But hold on. When they show it on television and the movies, people drink like crazy people. And then they're up at 7 a.m. the next day going on a run or picking up their gun and saving the world. Well, that's not reality. <laughs> You can't drink two bottles of booze the night before and then get up the next day and be a functioning human being. Even when in our youth, when we thought we were, we really weren't functioning. We were just dragging ourselves around. So we stayed with the status quo and we continued on our behavior because that's what we had built our social circle upon. Certainly for me, looking back at Ball State and Orlando and University of Florida, I certainly surrounded myself with people who I knew would drink. And I had a very large social circle because if these five people didn't want to drink on a Tuesday, these five people would. I could always find someone willing to go to the bar and drink with me. And, you know, of course, in my 20s, this, this, this fear of being alone or lonely, I don't know if that was what was overwhelming me to continue on or if it was like this FOMO. Like this fear that, um, you know, I'm going to miss out. I can't just go home and sit on the couch and watch TV or play video games. And certainly if I do decide to do that, then, hey, let's invite 10 people back to the place and let's all start smoking pot and snorting blow, right? Like there, looking back at it, even as I'm talking about it out loud now, there was a certain desire to not be alone, to not feel lonely. And so let's talk about that because there, the main difference between being alone versus feeling lonely is that lonely people aren't happy with their situation, right? Being alone is a state of being and being lonely is an emotional response to it. You can be alone and very happy, but when you're lonely, you're longing for a change, right? Like right now, I am alone in my apartment. There is no one else here except for me and the dog. And he's rubbing his face on the ground like he's trying to scratch on his eyeball. He's just doing his thing. I am alone in this apartment, but I do not feel lonely. Right? If you're alone in your in your place and you feel lonely, like you're longing for someone else to be there, 
that's when the loneliness kicks in, right? We want to be carving out alone time for ourselves as long as it's pleasing to us, right? You want to be enjoying it. You know, um, what is it that if you're, uh, oh my goodness, I can't believe I don't remember the terms when you're, uh, you're, you're outgoing, Oh, and then versus like in like where you want to stay inside, and um, now I'm gonna have to pause the recording and go Google this. Hold on, and I'm back. Introvert, extrovert. <laughs> I bet you some of y'all were sitting there yelling at the podcast. It's introvert. It's extrovert. So extroverts refuel themselves by being around people. Introverts refuel themselves by being alone and, and taking off some taking that self care, right? And I think there's ambiverts, which are both, and that's I tend to be a, a little bit of both. Back certainly in my college days, I've refueled myself by being around people, but that's because of the drinking. Now I refuel myself by alone time, not taking phone calls, reading a book, chilling back, whatever it is. And so if you're an introvert, you will more than likely be very comfortable with alone. If you're an extrovert, you might have more difficulty with the alone. That might be a loneliness that you want somebody around you, right? So if you've ever forced yourself to go out to heal or overcome a sense of loneliness, and then you've returned home feeling even worse about your loneliness, right? Disregarding that state of mind for a second, right? Let's just stay on this train of thought. If you've ever forced yourself to go out in hopes that you could overcome a sense of loneliness, yet you return home feeling even worse than before, that is a sign that there is some internal healing that needs to be understood and focused on. Right, trying to force relationships to, in order to overcome loneliness is like trying to force celery into your mouth to force losing weight. <laughs> sure, it could work, but it is miserable most of the time, and it will not work in the long term. Okay, you want to free yourself from loneliness so you can be happy with yourself when you are alone, and more focused on building connections when you are around people. Right? And, and also, be mindful to choose where you are trying to meet people. Be very careful about where you're choosing to meet people. If you're, if, let's say you love cars. Going to an art museum may not be the best place to meet fellow car enthusiasts. If you're trying to meet new friends and your, your idea is to continue going to the bars with everybody from work and you think that's where you're going to make new friends who aren't drinkers, you're incorrect. Right? This is why we find so many people bonding and sharing numbers at meetings. Right? Because we, we, there, there is a rapport you build with someone going through a similar journey as you. doesn't mean that you're going to like every person at a meeting. I certainly know there have been people where at first I'm like, yeah, you might be cool. And by like the fourth or fifth time, I'm like, you are not. Right? You are still codependent and I do not want any part of that. So let's talk about loneliness versus alone. So that you have a very, I mean, I, I really do honestly believe at the beginning of this when I said the difference between being alone versus lonely is that lonely people aren't happy being alone. Whereas the act of being alone is just literally not having anyone around. So if that disappoints you and that saddens you when you are alone, then you're lonely. But is that really the emotion that you want to be feeling? Right? I do understand that there are times where my isolationism in my office and in this apartment, it starts to wear on me a smidge bit. And I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I've got to do something where I start to connect. 
And that's when I'll call my sister or my dad or my brother, right? Obviously, I've got my girlfriend who comes home every night from work, so I get to spend time with her. I don't feel lonely because I love my alone time. So when you ask yourself, why do you feel lonely? You really want to start listening for the answers. Nikola Tesla once said, the mind is sharper and keener in seclusion and uninterrupted solitude. As I begin to lay out the the structure for the NLP for Recovery program I'm launching February 1st, I'm already noticing that in order to get this out of my brain and have it be the most amazing program I've ever created, I need seclusion. I need uninterrupted solitude. The random phone call or Zoom meeting in the middle of the day isn't helping. Those things need to be released so that I can literally just have multiple days where it is just me in this office by myself without any external communication for multiple days in a row. That's how I wrote my College Success Habits book. Other than talking to my girlfriend, I did not speak to anyone for five days. I wrote six hours each day, and I knocked out the rough draft of the book. I let it sit for a month so that it could just stew and my brain could spin it around. I came back to it a month later, and I spent another five days, six hours a day, rewriting the book, chopping it up, and moving things around. And boom. Pretty much what occurred that second week is the book that is now available on Amazon. And I could have called it Recovery Success Habits. Literally, the principles are right in line. It's just going to be using languaging towards college students, but you will still find a tremendous amount of value in what I discuss. And I was alone throughout that entire process. And I needed to be. See, being alone is is an observable fact that you are by yourself. You are alone. If you're in your car and no one else is in the car with you, you are right then and there alone. Now, do you feel lonely? Because that's an emotional response to the act of being alone. So when you're asking yourself what the difference is, being alone just means no one's there. Versus loneliness being a response to no one being there. If you've ever heard this saying, you know, I, 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 you know, I can feel alone in a room full of thousand people. Well, that to me isn't the right way to, to, to say that. You can feel lonely in a room of a thousand people. But you can't be alone in a room of 1,000 people. You can't be alone in a room with one other person. If we really want to get down into the semantics of it, I can't be alone with Buddy in the house. The little puppy dog over here. I can't be alone with the dog in the house. Technically, he's a living being. If I were to go rub his butt and scratch his ears, he'd look up and smile and want to lick my hand and want to chase me around the apartment. So you're not alone in a room of a thousand people, but you can feel lonely. And again, that's an emotional response to being in that room. So since being alone is an observable fact, then a couple questions you can ask yourself is, did you choose to be alone? Right? If you chose to go home after work, even though you knew people were going out, then you chose to be alone. Question number two to ask yourself is, is this the only option for you? 
Was going out and going out and watching your coworkers drink the only option you had after work? So you chose not to go out, which is probably a good thing if you're in the early stages of your addiction recovery. But then you got home and now you feel lonely because you really wanted to be social. You just didn't want to do it down you know, at, the lo- at the local pub for happy hour. So was that the only option for you? Or were there other ways you could have fulfilled that sense of longing for connection, but done it in a place where there wasn't people doing shots and drinking beers? That's where these meetings come into place. That's where having a call list of people that you can call whenever you're feeling the loneliness, where you want to talk about this desire to connect, or you don't even want to talk about the desire to connect. You just want to connect. See, introverts, again, more comfortable being alone. Extroverts, not so much. So if an extrovert recharges by being around people, and then you've chosen not to go down to the five and dime and drink some beers with people, and now you go home and you feel lonely, now you can start to say, okay, well, this is what's causing this. I do want to connect. I just don't want to connect at that location. Or I don't want to connect with those people. Now, boom, there you go. You've got yourself a solution to your perceived problem. right? Don't be looking at the problem. Be looking for the solution to the perceived problem. Things are only a problem when we dwell on them and don't seek a way to remedy them. Any problem you think you have is really a perceived problem. Because if you start seeking the solution, now you're remedying this perceived problem. So now you're in solution mode, not the anxiety of problem mode. Problem-solving mode is really just being in solution-minded mode. Being alone when you desire to be alone is extremely healthy. Forcing yourself into situations so that you don't have to be alone when you really don't want to to be in that environment around those people is extremely unhealthy. We want that time to self-reflect, to journal, to think about where we're going with our lives. You can find peace there. Right? You can be meditating. You can get work done on, on your, the second career you're looking to launch or the brand new business that you want to do. Whatever it might be, you can get different kinds of work done. You want to begin. If you already don't, enjoying and appreciating your alone time. Especially if you have kids or a spouse or you, you've just got a chaotic life. Like Step into the idea of alone and enjoy it. Now, if you do live with a, with, you know, and this going back to, I know Marcus's situation, he lived with, the, with, his, with his mom and his grandma and a couple nieces and nephews. So he had people in the house. But I really think that through our conversations, when we discussed him and, and where he was at, he was longing for a relationship with someone to really share his amazing new life with. And I absolutely get that. And that's where this loneliness will often start to rear its ugly head. In the fact that, yes, I've got a lot of friends. I can go out and be with them, but I don't have someone to come home and be vulnerable in front of and share my deepest, darkest secrets or my most uplifting hopes and dreams and goals for life. Right? This is the human connection that we seek is found in that loving relationship. The three most important things we have to decide for ourselves in our lives is where we're going to live, what we're going to do, and who we're going to love. 
where you're going to live, that's an environment-based thing. Is it going to be in a certain house in a city or a certain city or a certain state or a certain country? When you start to think about what you're going to do, that could be a career. That could be your hobbies. That could be your passions and talents that turn into your hobbies or your career. And then who you're going to love. So when we find ourselves longing for someone to love, loneliness will be that emotional response to that longing. And again, lonely is subjective, meaning it is you who, do, who decides to feel lonely. Other people can't make you feel lonely. They can say things that instigate a loneliness feeling within you. Oh gosh, you're 44 and you're not married yet. And you have no kids. And boy, I'll tell you what, who's going to put you in a nursing home when you're older, right? Society will try to thrust loneliness upon you because for so many they have followed the standard script, you know, graduate high school or college and then go off and get a job and find someone and get married and have kids. So when other people around them aren't following that script or seem to be struggling to follow that script, they might try to be helpful. But oftentimes the things they say can begin to conjure up a, a, a sense of less, of scarcity as if you need to have a relationship in order to be a fulfilled human being. When we step into personal growth and development, we begin to realize that no one can make us whole. Only we can make ourselves whole. So if loneliness is a feeling of being disconnected, and we have learned together that all feelings come from our thoughts and we control our thoughts, then we can start to realize that when someone tries to put a thought in our head that we're less than because we're not in a relationship, that we have to choose to take on that thought. We've discussed this in the past. Circumstances trigger thoughts, cause feelings, bring bring about actions which give us results. We've talked about the life coaching model. So if someone says something to you that sparks a feeling of loneliness, there was a thought that preceded it. Was it the thought that you are getting older and you better find someone before your looks start to fall off? Or that all your friends have children and you don't and, and they look so happy? Well, I can assure you, talking to my friends who have children, it is not all puppy dogs, rainbows, and ice cream. So you take on the feeling of lonely based on your current reality. So what is the thought that brings us to the feeling of loneliness? What are the circumstances that trigger the thought which causes the feeling of loneliness? Remember, we will often have a feeling that comes from an event, that comes from a circumstance, and not even realize that there was a thought that preceded it. Or we'll get stuck in a thought and start to swirl it around, and it will just flame, it will, it will, it'll just start to fan the flames of the feeling that we don't want to have to begin with. Oh my gosh, I'm getting older and I don't have kids. And oh my gosh, I don't have kids. I'm just gonna, I don't have kids. And I'm, oh my God, now my career's not going very well. And I told myself by the time I was 30 that I would have a career in place and then I would have to be married and I would have children. And then, you know, oh my gosh, if I don't have kids till I'm 35, now whenever they're 21 years old, I'm going to be 50, uh, what is it, 56 or is that right? 50, yeah, uh, yep, I think that's right. Quick math in my head, 56. Oh my gosh, now I'm 40 and I don't have kids yet. Oh my gosh, when they're finally 21, I'm not going to be 61. Oh my gosh, I'm 48. Now if I don't have kids, I'm going to be 69. Well, oh my God, my life has no meaning. <laughs> 
there are thoughts that trigger these feelings of loneliness. You need to get a you need to get a a grip on what those thoughts are. Right? When you think about the circumstances that trigger the thought which cause the feeling, you need to understand what that thought is. Having your friends, which would be the circumstance, tell you that um, you know, that being 35 and not having kids yet, that's their model of the world. That doesn't have to be your model of the world. Right? Loneliness can be classified as an emotion or maybe even a side effect of being alone. Being alone, the side effect would be that emotion of loneliness. And, it's, and it stems from this. In our DNA, we are, it is ingrained in us, this need for connection. Right? A bunch of <clears throat> single cavemen running around 100,000 years ago realized that they were stronger together in a tribe. And then the tribe started, and we pretty much just advanced civilization with this tribal mentality for the better part of until, you know, if you start to really look at it, it would only be the last couple hundred years where we really started to build cities. And then the tribe what began to sort of shrink, where now we were able to be a lot more self-sufficient without having necessarily a huge tribe around us to support us. But that desire to connect still exists. It doesn't just go away. Emotional loneliness is when the companionship of one particular person, right? And this could be the uh, the withdrawal of a spouse, a friend, or a sibling. That's when you get this emotional loneliness. When we miss the companionship of one particular person, spouse, friend, sibling, whatever it might be. Social loneliness is when we lack a strong, grounded friendship circle. Best friends, social network, groups that share similar interests, friends that we can really connect with and share with. So when you ask yourself, which version of loneliness are you experiencing right now? Is it emotional loneliness or is it social loneliness? Because the effects of being lonely, of, of allowing that emotion of loneliness to sit inside of you and simmer or even boil, this is detrimental to our physical and mental health. And if we allow ourselves to even begin to spiral down and get our heads all up in this, right, we are going to wither away from this emotional and social loneliness. Being lonely is subjective and it is a feeling, whereas being alone is an observable fact. Run that in your head as consistently and constantly as possible. So loneliness is being without company or loneliness, right? Because again, the the act of being alone is just being in the room, but this loneliness is being without company and then being sad because you don't have company. Being without company is just alone. Being sad about not having company is loneliness. When you produce a feeling of bleakness or isolation or desolation, if you get emotionally wrapped up in the idea that you have that you're in solitude, this is the emotional bleakness that comes from loneliness. Solitude is the quality or state of being alone or remote from society. Hell, if nothing else, society in, at large has been dealing with this all year because of the pandemic and the shutdowns. I had my girlfriend this entire time. I was able to come into a home where there was love and there was companionship and there was someone to spend time with. For a lot of you out there, if you've been living alone, or you got put into a situation where no one could be allowed back over into your home, you have been feeling lonely for some time. 
But it again is it's your choice to be feel lonely, and it's not negative that you do feel lonely. It is just a clear understanding now of the difference between alone and loneliness that we were seeking. See, our our youth of today, the millennials, and I'm a Gen Xer, we're we can often get bored, restless, uneasy, anxiety ridden to the point of being unhappy for almost no real, clear, or rational reason. There's this underlying current we have of just not, of feeling unsettled. I definitely think our phones and social media have brought this about into a, in a very real way. This isolationism that comes from staring at a screen so, so long. When young people are not sought after or included in activities from their friends, peers, coworkers, their self-confidence, their self-esteem, their self-worth can often, and it does, take a hit. Older people, many times, you would hope, have figured out ways to be comfortable in their alone time. As we age out of our teens and 20s and 30s and we start to get older, we start to realize that alone is, is it's a blessed moment. Right. Often young people can even think that the elderly are lonely because they would feel lonely in a similar situation. And that is projecting their emotions about a scenario upon other people. And we as humans project a lot. We assume that, oh, if I felt this way, then you must also feel this way. People ask me quite frequently, don't you, get, don't you start to feel lonely in that house all the time by yourself? And I'm like, the moment I wake up, Till my girlfriend comes home, I am in this office creating, reading, designing my best self. There is no loneliness here. It is nothing but awesome alone time to grow and nurture this version of myself that I have been seeking since I was in my very young ages, dealing with a mom with Crohn's, dealing with moving every single year, not feeling like I felt I fit in any of the schools I went to, constantly seeking this social um, acceptance and putting myself in situations I was not happy with nor comfortable with just to release any kind of loneliness feelings I might have felt. Now, this doesn't mean that elderly people don't get lonely. It's just that we, what, it's just that what we think is attributing to their loneliness may not be really what we think that it is. So when you start to ask yourself, are people around you lonely? A good question would be to just ask them that when they're alone, what is the emotional feeling they have around that? I have no doubt that there are a lot of elderly people that feel extremely lonely, especially if their family members and their friends don't come visit them, or if they're really old and their friends have been dying off. Right, This is the beauty of communication the way that it is now. They can literally pick up their iPhone and FaceTime and see their grandchildren. But this is something we want to monitor in our society. This is something you want to monitor in yourself. And for me, the last two years, my therapist and I have really been working on me reaching back out to my great friends from my 20s and reconnecting with them. Let's see if we even really get along now that there's not alcohol and drugs in play. For a majority of them, they're married. They've got kids. They've got a whole life. Their life hasn't been sitting at home staring at the phone wondering when Jesse would call. But certainly, I would like to reach back out to them and see what's going on. 
because one day I will be 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. And now all of them, their kids will be out of the house. They'll have moved on with that, that period of, in their life. I would like to be able to go on really cool vacations as a senior citizen with a lot of these people and laugh about the hilarity and the mischief we used to get ourselves into. So if you're looking around and you're thinking, man, you know, there are times I feel lonely and there are times where I'm happy alone, but I would like to be able to increase my social circle. And if you don't have a bunch of college friends to fall back on, or you do, but you're not so sure that you really like them anymore, reach out to your old friends and attempt to reconnect. Get to know them in a different way. And if you don't have a lot of those people that you can start to call upon, now is an amazing time to start to reconnect with them. Or I'm sorry, to start to to connect with new people. Whether you have a whole slew of old friends to reconnect with or you're looking for new ones, either way, it's still all about going out, finding similar interests, and making a point to reach out to them on a regular basis. And now that you know the difference between being alone and lonely, you can begin to control the emotions that might come from you being in a space by yourself. If you find yourself not wanting to be alone as much as you are, then you will need to begin to seek out resources that allow you to open your life up to meeting new people, reinviting older people back into your life so that you can not feel lonely when you don't want to be alone. Everything you are creating in your life is up to you to make happen. Reach out to 10, 15 people. And if all of them don't act like they're into it, then go find 10 or 15 more. But like I talked about in my IG episode today, the part two one about what do you want to create with this new life, I really honestly believe it's my soul's journey to overcome fear. If there was an undercurrent of what I've chosen my soul to desire to overcome in this existence that I am currently living through, it is to overcome fear. Fear of acceptance or fear of rejection or fear of failure or fear of success. Anything that fear could be attached to, I honestly believe fear has been running my life for much longer than I would prefer. (laughs) If you think that you might be in a similar situation, then make it your journey for for the year of 2021 to release fears, step outside of yourself, and don't be alone when you don't want to be. Pandemic aside or not, there is communication devices in our lives that can help alleviate the the feeling of isolationism and the desolation uh, that comes from the loneliness feeling. And now you know the difference. And when that negative feeling starts to creep up, have a plan in place. Have a plan in place. Because the best thing that a person in sobriety and addiction recovery can use in their lives is a pre-thought-out plan for what they will do when X happens. Doesn't mean it'll play out that way, but at least you've thought it through and you have a plan. And now you actually know exactly what the difference between alone and loneliness is. And that is a great step to have taken today. Here comes the year of 2021. We're gonna have so much fun saying goodbye to 2020. Here's the door. See you later. 
that did not rhyme. It was so close. That was it. I just wanted to leave you on a song. We have got, I think, five more episodes to 100. I will turn four years old in my sobriety and recovery the week that episode 100 will be released. So I've got some great episodes planned for you. I am running Instagram Lives every single day. So go over and check that out um, on IGTV. I think they get automatically posted to Instagram, and you can just click right over to them. Um, I'm doing them. I'm keeping them about 15, 20 minutes as I run through a myriad of topics, all in preparation for the launch of my NLP and for recovery program. If you have been listening to me for a long, long time, or even if this is your very first episode and you're like, man, I want to know more about how Jesse is using NLP. I want Jesse to teach me how to use neuro-linguistic programming to better my addiction recovery. Then this is the program for you. So many of you have reached out to me and asked me more about NLP. And so I, now that I am a trainer of it, am putting together a program to teach it to you. So go over to the Instagram post that I am going to make for this episode. Leave a comment about what you took as the biggest takeaway. Leave a comment if you are into learning some NLP or hit me up on the DMs. Um, Either way, I will be posting this over there. I would love nothing more than if you go over there and tell me what was the biggest takeaway you have from learning more about alone and loneliness and the differences between the two. Love it, love it, love it when I hear from you all. I am going to be going through all of my DMs and all of my emails over the course of the next few weeks. I'm setting aside a certain amount of time, so hopefully I will be able to catch up and everybody will be answered. I love, love, love you all. It's been another great year. We've made it through it. Whatever you may have thought about this year, it is about to go bye-bye. So go listen to my IG lives because we are putting together a plan to set ourselves up for success in 2021. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Love you all. Bye-bye.